Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about checking up on people or checking on people, which incidentally, that's, that's, that hits a little bit different, has a little bit different meaning than checking up on people. All right? Checking on people is not the same as checking up on people. Now, hello, Jonathan Exum. Good to see you. Uh, for those of you that will be tuning in and watching this and watching this after the fact on the Cogitations Facebook page, my ring light. Well, it's an off-brand ring light. It is defunct. I thought that perhaps all I had to do was change the batteries in my remote, but I have done that, and yeah, she's a had lad. It's the end of an era, so I either have to buy me a new one or figure out something to do besides this, because quite frankly, this ain't cutting it. I'm, I'm not very good on camera as it is, and I'm certainly not good with terrible lighting and like i said i've got about a an 80 watt bulb up there and it's just you know it shades one side of my face it makes one side of my face look really really bright anyway nothing that's enough of that calling and checking on people or, or checking on people you know we don't want to check up on people because if you check up on people you don't have to involve the person you're checking on and it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how uh, pure your motives are, it can still turn into nothing but gossip. It can turn into you're looking like you're being a busybody in other men's matters if you're just checking up on people. In other words, don't don't get concerned about me and then call one of my friends. Now, I will say this, and, and this is a, a thought from last night. Uh, we have a student from Mexico that's going to college, and she is a member of the Riverview Church of Christ. And I was talking about a good buddy of mine, Jorge, from Monterey, Mexico. He was a fellow classmate when I was in the Memphis School of Preaching. Jorge Garza, Jesus Jimenez. Good folks. Now, also, uh, there is a person there named France, or there was a person, a fellow student, uh, Francisco. And I've, I haven't been able to get in contact with Francisco, and I've, I've, I really wanted to check on him, but I couldn't. I couldn't find a way to check on him, so the only thing that I could do was check up on him, meaning I sent a message to Jesus and Jorge and, and said, hey, you know, have y'all heard from Francisco? Uh, is he still preaching, this, that, and the other? And I got back a response that was scriptural and biblical. They said, we haven't heard from him in quite a while. And they didn't know anything about him. And I said, well, that's fair enough. I'm certainly not going to pry. I'm not going to ask, what do you think's going on? But that's it. I wish I could find him. wish I could get a hold of him. And, and I hope he's still in Christ. I hope he's still preaching. But anyway, that being said, it could have, if, if I would have called my friends in Mexico and we would have had a big 20 or 30 minute gossip session about this man, well, that would have taken an act of love and absolutely cheapened him. 
we need to be personally involved. You know, reading John chapter 13, the last couple of verses, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. And you know what? I'm not so sure that he wasn't being a little sarcastic because this was really not a new commandment, was it? We were supposed to, we've always been supposed to love one another. But Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another. As I've loved you, what I've done to you, you do to others. And he had just gotten through washing his disciples' feet, including Judas, someone whom he knew would betray him just hours later. Well, by this shall all men know you, my disciples, if you have love one for another. If I would have called or or messaged my friends in Mexico to check up on my other friend and it would have went any differently than the way it went, it would have taken that very loving and caring act and turned it into something that it was not intended to be, which is something very unloving because we would have contemplated, we would have speculated, we would have formed a wrong conclusion. And I would be thinking, I would either be thinking positive thoughts that didn't deserve to be thought, or I would be thinking negative thoughts that didn't deserve to be thought. Yeah, didn't deserve to be thought. Certainly it's not thunk. But anyway, my point is this. We have to have personal involvement. If we're going to follow this commandment of Jesus to love one another, we have to be personally involved. We don't need to go around checking up on people. We need to go to the person and check on them if we feel like there's some concern. Um, I remember in class one day, uh, one of my teachers, Billy Bland, uh, he he gave us uh, a scenario. And there was a woman that was angry at him and had gone around and, and said some things about him and expressed that anger. And he didn't he didn't retaliate. He didn't do anything like that, but he didn't leave it alone either. If I remember the story correctly, he called the woman up, and we'll say Sister Smith. Uh, Sister Smith, this is Billy Bland. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Hey, Sister, do I have anything that I need to apologize about to you or to apologize to you for? Now, Brother Bland probably would have used better grammar than that, but you get the idea, okay? And, of course, that disarmed her. like, well, no, I don't. you don't, and, and they ended up in a very kind of backdoor way, a very non-confrontational. It isn't exactly the right way to put it, but I'm going to put it that way until I think of something better, and I may never think of anything better. But they were able to resolve that in a very soft way, in a very confrontational way that was soft, instead of a confrontational way that was hard and had rough edges all because he had personal involvement. And that that was the initial level with re- resolving that conflict, was not, to bring, not for him to bring other people in, which he probably technically would have a right to do because she had certainly brought other people in. But a man of God, a person who emulates Jesus, a person who follows this rule and, and tries to love like Jesus, he humbled himself and said, Is there anything for which I need to apologize? Now, what if she would have said yes? Knowing what I know of him, he probably would have apologized 
And now he wouldn't, it's not profitable to admit to something that you didn't do or validate someone in their hysteria or delusion. But if, if it's, hey, you know, you preach that sermon and I felt like you was preaching directly at me. Listen, sister, I'm very sorry for that. I'm, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. And I'm sorry that I, I preached a, a topic or, or said something that seemed like it rubbed lemon juice on an open wound. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill, still preach the truth, and, and this may happen again. But you need to understand it was not my intent to make you feel that way out of hand. And, and that's a very honest exchange. You, you, you're, you're, you've apologized. You've validated. You have let them know that from here on out, you're going to be mindful of those things. But you've also let them know in a very loving way that you're not going to compromise. And, and you, was, you were able to have this exchange because you didn't involve other people. You, you went directly to the person. And she went directly to him. If, if we're talking about this imaginary scenario separate and apart from the illustration that my teacher used whenever I was in preaching school. Now, let's go to the book of Thess- Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. I'll get it out in a minute. And I had this thought concerning this as I was reading this morning. Well, I tell you what, let's, let's go just First Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe, for from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Paul is putting himself and the Thessalonians On the same side, we have been through affliction. Being Christians have cost us. We have paid in blood. We have paid in pain. Wonderful. This is is a this is a letter from a man 
who cares greatly about the intended audience. Paul is checking on the church in Thessalonica. Let's keep going. I'm just going to, look, I'm in the mood to read. Let's just listen to me and listen as we read together. Hello, Sue Ross. It's good to see you. All right. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it in deceit, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is a witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have, been, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes, cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He set the expectations. We have gently, with authority, and the gentleness of a father with his children set the expectations, and we, we comforted you, we exhorted you, we wanted to teach you about the gospel. For this reason, verse 13, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it as the word of men, not as the word of men, I should say, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. Now he's getting into, here's why. This, this is why I began to think about you, because I know you suffered persecutions. You suffered persecutions from your countrymen, just like the churches in Judea suffered persecution from their countrymen. So I'm going to read verse 14 again. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins 
but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. When Paul was thinking about the persecution that the church in Thessalonica was going through, and he thought, and he was able to put himself in their shoes, I've suffered persecution, and it almost cost me my faith. They're suffering persecution. That means it could almost cost them their faith. I want to check on them. I, I have a heavy heart. I'm, I'm concerned about my brethren, these people to whom I preach the gospel. Therefore, verse 18, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. In other words, we haven't, we've wanted to come to see you. We've wanted to come strengthen you. We've wanted to come impart into you some spiritual gift again, maybe. Maybe there were other people who had been baptized into Christ in the absence of the Apostle Paul, and they needed some spiritual gift so they might confirm the word with signs following. It's kind of like in, in Rome. Paul said, I want to come see you so I can impart some spiritual gift on you to the end that you might be strengthened. Well, same thing. That's why Paul would want to come. He'd want to check. He wants to he wants to be with these people. He wants to be personally involved with them. He wants to be amongst them because he loves them. And he wants to help them. But he can't right now. So what's the next best thing? Satan hindering us. I don't know what that means. I don't know how Satan was hindering them. But evidently, Satan was. I know it's true. All right. And he says, for, for, what, for what is our hope or joy or crown or rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. The reason we need to be personally involved with our brethren is because they are our crown of joy. They are our glory. We as Christians need to be concerned with making people's lives whom we come in contact with better. We might not have studied the Bible with them and facilitated their obedience to the gospel, but we can certainly facilitate their remaining faithful. And if we take ownership of that time that we're with somebody and we think, God has put me in this person's life, God has put this person in my life, so I need to strengthen them. Their being in Christ and keeping the faith and remaining strong, that is my crown of joy. That is my glory. Chapter 3, and I'm, I'm almost done reading, I promise. I don't know why I'm apologizing about reading the Bible on a Bible podcast. Anyway, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, in other words, we were thinking about you and we were concerned about you, and it was to the, the point where, let's lick our finger and turn left, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy could not stand it. It bothered them so much. What did they do? We thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Paul and Silvanus was left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, 
and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning the faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Timothy was dispatched from Athens to Thessalonica. For those of you in most of the world besides the United States, that's 500 kilometers. And for those of you in the United States, that's roughly about 300 miles, 310, I think. He didn't get in a nice vehicle and drive. He didn't get in an airplane and fly. He didn't get on a bus. He didn't get on a train. He he mostly walked and rode a horse or rode a donkey, rode some kind of, had some kind of beast of burden or took a boat when he could. In fact, you know what? Let me look. I looked up the distance and it gave, oops, of course. Well, I tell you what, Athens to Thessalonica. 502 kilometers. Driving a vehicle, that's five hours. Now, it may be that he could have got on a ship in Thessalon- or in, in Athens and sailed around and, and, or, and gone north and docked in Thessalonica. That's still a long trip. I don't care how you count it. And it was for the sole purpose of checking on these brethren. Paul just wanted to see how they were doing, and he wanted to strengthen them if they needed it. He wasn't able to, so what did he do? He equipped Timothy for the journey and basically paid Timothy to go. This brings me to kind of a thought that I've had. Wouldn't it be great if we had this network of Christians around the world and we had a group of churches that were like, hey, listen, our mission is to strengthen churches. And if you know of a congregation that's on the fringe, maybe they're outside the buckle of the Bible belt, Maybe they're in some country, you know, maybe they're in Canada and you want to go check on them and you want to go help them. We're going to facilitate that happening and we're going to cover the expenses of it because we love Christians and we want to make sure that all of our churches are faithful, are fully equipped for the work, and we're we're blessed monetarily. So we're going to use our monetary blessings, our our secular, nah, that's not the right, not secular is not the right word. What is it? Carnal. We're going to use our carnal blessings to help bless these people spiritually. It's amazing. And, and that's that's what Paul did. That's what Paul did. And I'm going to read, I'm going to start reading in verse four of chapter three again in First Thessalonians. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. As, and you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, 
I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now Timothy has come to us from you, and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all your affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Folks, that's such an amazing thing. That's not a bad practice to adopt. Hey, you know, I used to live in such and such state and city 20 years ago when I used to attend a congregation there. I think I'm going to go back and check on them, just see how they are. And if you go there and you see how they are and they're doing well, maybe let them know how much it helps you personally. And finally, the last thing that I wanted to cover, the last thought that I had, is from verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us a good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. So basically, Timothy came back with a report and said, hey, they're doing all right. They're good. I've got good news about their faith and their diligence and how they think fondly of you. Do you think that if Timothy had looked closely while he was there, he could have found some problems in that group of people? Do you think he could have found people that weren't living up perfectly to the ideals of Christ? Do you think he could have found some people who were maybe uh, hypocritical? Look, if you look closely enough, you're going to find problems. If you look with a microscope, I don't want anybody looking with a microscope at me. I'm not going to get down into somebody's ministry and dissect every little bitty part of it. Like, there, there's a ministry that I'm thinking of right now. I don't want to call his name because I don't want anybody to think anything at all that I have something against this man. I do not. But I, I, I see him rarely, but once every other year or once every year. And I really like this guy. And I dare say he and I would have differences of conviction on certain matters of judgment. We would have differences of opinion on certain certain scholarly pursuits, and I dare say that we would probably handle things on a congregational level differently from one another to the point where I might look at him and say, hey, you handled that wrongly. As fond as I am of him, I always enjoy seeing his stuff come across on Facebook, and I'm grateful for that because it strengthens me. It's good to know that my friend is faithful in doing the work of the Lord. I'm not going to look very closely at it. I'm not going to get out a microscope and try to find something wrong. Why? Because I just might. And it's not so much that I might find something wrong, although I might. But I might find something I don't like, and I'm just not prepared to do that. I don't, it's not that big a deal to me. As long as the man is faithful, as long as the man is sound in his doctrine that he's teaching, then I'm greatly comforted and encouraged 
because of him and his work. We need to have that baseline of care. Even for people that we don't know very well, don't look at them with a microscope like you're trying to find something wrong because you probably will. They're human. Care enough to talk to them directly and care enough to think about them often and pray about them often. And that's all I've got, folks. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Maybe this little section of Scripture in the book of Thessalonians is the Holy Spirit's way of showing us, here's here's a very easy beginner-level way to show love one for another. Just checking on people. Maybe we need to emulate that. Folks, you've stuck around this far. It means you're bought in. I would ask that you would uh, support me monetarily as a podcaster, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. And you can also send me money in a PayPal. I've gotten some money in PayPal. And to to, to, to you who did that, you know who you are. Thank you very much. To my patrons, thank you so very much. I'm not I'm not much concerned about my ring light because as soon as my Patreon money drops, I'm going to be able to get a ring light, and it's not going to destroy my budget. And uh, that's that's amazing. So thank you so very much for that. And um, until next time, you've been listening to Cogitations with Tony Brewer. And be sure and subscribe, be the algorithm for us, share the content, share the material, and be sure and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. God bless you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.